0: InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting.
1: America is a land of immigrants. During our history, millions upon millions of immigrants have come to the U.S. to learn, grow, and prosper. But all that may be changing. We may have a real talent drain in America, according to our next guest on InfoTrack. Let's welcome David Heenan. Dave, how are you doing?
0: Chris, great to be with
1: you. Now you've written a book called Flight Capital, The Alarming Exodus of America's Best and Brightest. How serious a problem is this loss of talents to other countries?
0: Well, it's really increasing in seriousness. It started about six years ago. When I noticed right here in Hawaii, a number of people who were foreign-born who had come to the U.S. were highly successful, making a U-turn back to their native countries, that movement picked up considerably after 9-11 when we tightened up our immigration and naturalization procedures, but in the process created a less friendly environment for both potential newcomers as well as people fairly recent to the country. By my estimates, we're losing anywhere between 500 and 1,000 people a day, many of them in leading-edge professions in science, technology,
1: engineering. Now, obviously, having any kind of a brain drain is not a good thing, but aren't there millions upon millions of people in this country who are keeping us at the leading edge? I mean, a thousand a day is a lot, but is that really costing us that much?
0: Yeah, I think the problem has been that we have relied for years on the Albert Einsteins and the I.M. Pay's and the Peter Druckers of the world to the point where Over half of our PhDs in the U.S. are from abroad. Forty-five percent of our computer scientists, engineers, and mathematicians also immigrated here. A quarter of every doctor and heaven knows how many nurses also came to our country from another nation. So we've relied very heavily on, on imported talent. And... Exactly when we seem to be losing our long-standing grip on them, we're also told that our supply of homegrown talent is also shriveling up the numbers. As an example, the Bureau of Labor Statistics projects that by 2010 we'll be perhaps as many as 10 million people short, many of them again in these highly skilled areas of science and technology.
1: Now, the countries that we're talking about where these people are going include China and India, Ireland, Mexico.
0: Israel. I mean, really, it's happening across the board. The two sort of poster children that you hear a lot about, of course, are the biggies, and that's India and China, but it's little Iceland, it's Israel, it's Ireland the european union has just passed some fairly delicious incentives to try to attract some of these people so there's a global hiring hall out there chris and foreign companies and foreign countries right across the board are actively cherry picking some of our best people
1: well dave you touched on this but what do you think the main causes of this loss for the u.s are
0: you know i think the primary reason they're heading back home is ironically the same reason they came here for in the first place and that's better opportunity as they perceive it in many of these countries the indias and china's for example they are growing at three times faster than the u.s and many of these people feel that they can really jumpstart their careers in frankly less competitive markets and economies by going back home
1: and what would you say just looking at the maybe the number one way to solve this problem or to reduce the problem of this exodus what would that be
0: well, I think we've got to do two things. I think on the back end, you have to assume that you're going to lose some of these people anyway. I think just given the ebb and flow of globalization today, uh, people are much more mobile. So any country's going to have a certain amount of leakage. But I think to protect yourself, you clearly have to train more of your own native-born sons and daughters in careers in science, math, engineering, and medicine. And there, you know, we've fallen off. We've had about a 20% drop-off since 1985 of our kids wanting to engage themselves in those fields. So we've got to, in almost a post-Sputnik way, reinvigorate interest in those exciting vanguard fields. By the same token, we have to do everything we can to make our country more accommodating, two newcomers from abroad and in fact actively recruit people that can bring some very precious skills over here.
1: Should we have a concern in this global economy that we're really providing all this talent to countries that are our economic competitors?
0: Well, I think the flight capital story is really one of good news and bad news. I mean, it clearly is nice from a global perspective to see a more equitable distribution of brain power around the planet, That ought to produce, one would hope, peace and harmony. Uh, That's all to the good. But having said that, from a more parochial standpoint, no nation can afford to see its best brains walk. And that's kind of where we are right now.
1: Are companies in the U.S. doing as much as they should to actively recruit and keep these people here?
0: Certainly, you know, the Microsofts, the intels of the world, particularly those in technology and life sciences and nanotechnology and leading-edge fields are very much interested and concerned about the trends that I'm describing and trying to get our congress and legislature to lift the cap on what are called h1b skilled immigrant visas perhaps even eliminate that cap which has been obliterated there are no more as an example openings in 2006 for any of these uh, imported brainy people we just right now legally can't bring them into the country and that certainly is crimping our growth as a nation of high technology
1: our guest on InfoTrack is david heenan author of Flight Capital, the Alarming Exodus of America's Best and Brightest. Dave, we talk about the quality of life in the U.S. and, you know, people who travel around the world say we have a great place to live here in the U.S., but perhaps that field is being leveled now in modern times, and other countries are, are maybe doing better in quality of life than we are?
0: Well, I think so. You know, as they define it, you can, of course, go back to places like India and China and for the same amount of dollars get for 300000 bucks a five-bedroom house with probably eight or nine servants and kids enrolled in private schools and, mm. and all of those sorts of things and be in an enclave that you would think was comparable to being in Silicon Valley. But places like Canada and Australia, which, by the way, have been really some of our most intense rivals, of course, are great places to live. If you've been to Vancouver or Sydney and Singapore, for that matter, there are some spots out there that are very, very nice competitors and offer a very high standard of living.
1: How about just government controls? We seem to have a lot in this country toward business, more and more. Taxes keep going higher and higher. Are these things causing entrepreneurs to maybe choose to live elsewhere?
0: That's a problem, but relatively speaking, we're actually pretty much better off than most of the countries that I'm discussing. And the bureaucracy in, in India is legendary. And certainly in some of these other places, it's every bit as ferocious, if not even more so than here. Again, where we have the problems terms of red tape, has really been with this whole immigration dilemma of trying to get the right trade-off between economic development and security and preventing terrorist attacks.
1: Dave, one thing we haven't really gotten into, your book is full of stories of individuals, and I'm wondering if you might be able to share one or two of those stories with us, just to kind of bring this home. Obviously, everybody has individual reasons for making choices in their lives, but some of these stories are interesting in terms of why people decided to not stay in the U.S.
0: Well, let's take Edison Liu. Edison Liu is a guy actually born in Hong Kong, immigrated to the U.S. as a young man, Got his graduate degrees at Stanford, taught it there at Yale, at Duke. Was actually a director of the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda. And four years ago, he was recruited to Singapore to run the Genome Institute of Singapore. They built for him and others like him a very fancy $1.5 billion science city called Biopolis. Just Chris, i got to tell you, this thing, it just knocked your eyes out. Wow very delicious and attractive recruiting budget to go with it. By the end of last year, he'd recruited 180 of his staff of 280. 85% of his senior people have come from abroad, many of them from the U.S. And to Edison, the real appeal there was the opportunity to build a multinational, multicultural lab in a, a very interesting and dynamic part of the world. The ability to raise his three children in a multicultural society, which to he and his wife was very important. And importantly, let's not forget this, the ability to engage in stem cell research, which is not only allowed but encouraged in Singapore, and about 80% of the Genome Institute's portfolio research-wise is devoted to stem cell research.
1: Well, pretty tough to beat that whole package of things, I guess, for that gentleman.
0: Well, that's the kind of world we're in today. If you're in life sciences, information technology, nanotechnology, optics, if you've got strong international business skills, you are very, very much in demand today. And foreign countries and foreign companies are actively cherry picking these people with some, you know, very, very attractive
1: packages. Obviously, uh, something that we really have to address in this country.
0: Well, I think so. The issue has been, to some extent, morphed by the outsourcing debate on the one hand and the illegal immigration debate on the other. Both of those issues are politically uh, very juicy. Politicians from both parties on both sides of both parties have taken different stances to them, but they certainly have resonated with the voting public. And as a result, the whole flight capital discussion, which to me is frankly far more serious, has been morphed to some degree by those activities
1: Well, it's a terrific book, Flight Capital. Dave Heenan is the author. Dave, you have a website as well, right?
0: I do. It's flight-capital.com.
1: David, thank you so much for joining us on InfoTrack.
0: My pleasure. All the best.
1: Next, military personnel make big sacrifices for our country. But what of the challenges faced by their families? The inside story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.